Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. We are hunters, anglers, riders, and sometimes chefs. Our passion for the outdoor lifestyle motivated the foundation of Harvesting Nature, which serves as a media outlet built to inspire and educate the outdoor expert, and novice alike. Our podcast focuses on the technical side of cooking wild fish and game while also incorporating adventures and lessons learned from our pursuit of wild meat. Join us on our journey of harvesting nature. Hey everyone, uh, welcome back to the Harvesting Nature Wild Fish and Game podcast. Uh, we're happy to have you uh, listening today and uh, we've got some special guest here with us. I'll, I'll let him introduce himself here in a little while, but uh, if you guys have been listening for a while, you'll know uh, Justin Townsend, uh, Editor-in-Chief at Harvest in Nature. Two of our co-hosts, I should say, are off, we'll call it, on assignment, um, not with us today, so we'll be without them. But most importantly, we've got Corey with us and we've got Casey, so I'll let those guys introduce themselves. Corey, Managing ed- Editor of uh, Harvest in Nature. Corey, are you mad? I'm always mad. This <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Casey Bard. I own uh, Tacticalory Seasoning Company. Longtime friend of Corey's. We, man, we went, when did we, uh, what, sixth grade? Started going to school together? Eighth grade. Eighth. Eighth grade. So we've known each other forever, been through everything together. So it's cool to see what you guys have done, and it's cool to, you know, play my own little part in it, and uh, pumped to be here. Yeah, it's it's definitely been neat having you. Uh, you don't know it indirectly involved in the in some of our recipes and some of our endeavors over the past uh, couple years. I know Corey's been a big supporter of yours uh, with our recipes and stuff, and you know even myself tried some of the seasonings and uh, thoroughly enjoyed them. So I definitely want to talk some cooking at some point, but I got some other questions too. So Sure. Yeah. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. My one of my big questions, obviously have a uh, several, but what inspired the name Tax Calories? I'm really curious. Yeah, so you know, I've always been into nutrition. I came from uh kind of the uh, 
performance nutrition side of, of things. You know, went to school for nutrition and, um, you know, was pursuing strongman and powerlifting and, um, really enjoyed that. But I also liked, you know, tactical things. So, you know, guns, knives, flashlights that are too bright, <laughs> you know, all the, <laughs> everything there. So I'm like, um, I was at a, I was at a three gun shoot at a local, uh, range and I was kind of riffing on nutrition and how I was surprised where, you know, these guys that work for agencies with letters in them and, and they just, none of them really gave a crap about their nutrition. You know, we're at a three gun shoot. Everyone's talking about what guns they have and, and, you know, all this cool high speed gear, but you know, they're all running around just eating corn dogs for, you know, you know, it was just really, I was surprised that these guys that their life depends on, you know, physical fitness and, um, they just weren't taking it seriously. So I thought this was a really cool opportunity to kind of write, you know, with my knowledge and background in perform performance nutrition to kind of tie in something I really liked from the tactical space and, and meet in the middle. So that's where tactical calories, you know, tactical calories kind of came, came in. Um, so for a few years, I just had like a, uh, you know, an online, like a blog, Instagram of just kind of food porn where I would have, you know, I would kind of put my own little spin on it and why I ate this way or why I would suggest eating this way. And, you know, usually there would be a firearm involved or a, or a knife or, you know, it's just something cool. That's where the name came from. And then I eventually wanted to find a way to, to monetize this thing I had built. I had a really good following for just the food porn stuff. And I didn't want to make a coffee company or a beard oil like everybody else does. <laughs> so, um, you know, I guess, you know, it's funny because... I'm preparing um, in in the next uh, few weeks to meet with a very very large retailer around us, and the best part of that meeting is that my origin story is because of one of their screw ups, and they haven't fixed it yet. So <laughs> oh. I'm going to be able, uh, you know, it, it's just like um, so the outdoor industry, good example. This is something that that you know you guys know. I know Corey does a ton with with fishing and fly fishing, and I know there's levels, right? Everything has levels to Every, every industry has levels. So yeah. one cool thing about, um, you know, a place like, uh, we have, we have a lot of, uh, Wegmans stores around us. And one of the cool things is you can buy, you know, the low end stuff you can buy at Dollar General and the high end stuff you'd be able to get at Whole Foods. You can get all in, in one place at Wegmans, right? So, um, what I found is that that is true except for the seasoning aisle. Um, you know, you walk in and you can buy junk veggies or organic veggies. You can buy Bubba burgers or you can have them cut a ribeye, you know, off the rib and, and, and pack it for you. You can buy junk beer. You can buy expensive beer. Um, and as you're constructing this meal, you kind of go around and the corner of the seasoning aisle and it's just McCormick. It's just store bought as junk. It's been sit, it's been in, you know, food distribution for eight months before you buy it. There's literally dust on the bottle and, um, I thought this was a really interesting way to tie in this little brand I built, you know, of tactical food. Um, I thought this was really interesting. So I started to pursue it. And that was about, you know, at that point, it was about four years ago, uh, four and a half years ago. Nice. I, I definitely relate to exactly what you're saying. And I was in the grocery store last night looking for, for different spices. And I visited two stores. Oh man, and actually I went to the store tonight and I forgot to pick it up at the other store, but uh I digress. It's a 
Agreed 100%. Like seeing McCormick and just some of the big names, and and that's it. There's no option. It's You mm-hmm. may have, you know, 25 varieties of salt, but to get a quality dried spice is, mm-hmm. is almost impossible. Yeah. yeah. I think it's in the nature of the, of the, you know, I mean, what you're talking about, like you said, a dried spice, like for them, it's just the, the margins are going to be low because people are, you know, the, the commodity level is only selling it like a, you know, three to $5 price point. And, um, you know, it's like I think there's a there's a valid argument in that, but I think my rebuttal would simply be look at the beer industry, look at the alcohol industry. Yeah. I mean, craft beer rewrote. Um, you know, it just has to make sense. I mean, you can't just take a McCormick's, you know, McCormick Montreal steak or something and sell it for twelve fifty. It's not going to work. Um, we've all had that. We all know it's great in a pinch. You know, you fly out to. Idaho for a you know an elk hunt and you need something and you can run to the do- you know the, the nearest you know dollar store and get Montreal steak and it's going to be okay right um, I think I, that's you that, know that leads me into a segue I have a question for you because I was reading your sure. about me section and mm-hmm. there's a little statement in there that says I don't know what Montreal tastes like so <laughs> through, yeah have, have like, you I don't even know what the hell it tastes yeah like, man, I, I, I definitely don't want my you know it's funny because you know we'll, we'll get into it a little bit later about my you know big my big move for 2020 but you guys are all outdoors guys you know you eat you know a ton of wild game i mean if you travel for one of these hunts and you're doing a big game where you, you know you travel you pay for a hunt you you know especially start getting guides in there you start getting, you know, six Yeti coolers to pack it all out. Like <laughs> this ends up being like $70 a pound elk meat. Yeah. And you're, you're going to trust, you're going to put like some subpar, you know, it's amazing that now where I've been doing this for a few years now, how few companies in this space are actually, you know, hand grinding and packaging is very, very few. Um, even even you know those that kind of coin themselves as that it's just not happening i mean right now we're doing everything in house <clears throat> it started out where you know i had space in a in a local manufacturer and now it's to the point where um you know they rent space from me in their own <laughs> facility because <laughs> it's it's just take it's taken over the the entire process but the, it's 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 it is labor intensive um, it's a higher, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lower, um, profit margin because we do right now we're still hand filling every single package. Um, but that's why, I mean, just the level of give a crap at, at our company is so much higher. And I think the easiest way to, to, you know, compare that with you guys is look at some of these like direct to consumer, you know, um, hunting uh apparel brands right versus a store-bought you know you go to walmart and you buy like their version of hunting gear if you tried to (laughs) take that out west or even some you know here in the east um they just don't perform and that's you know the the level of give a crap at a company like first like kuyu or any of these other you know direct to consumer Mm -hmm. brands it's just so much higher and so it's like you said earlier it's good in a pinch but you know dependability especially you know, to relate cooking to hunting, having the ability for something to function over and over and over again and perform at a level of expectation and dependability is more comforting and more secure and and better 
for the manufacturer, for the user, for everyone. So yeah, in- yeah. I mean, something like we have a we have a seasoning called Battlegrounds that we use. You know, oh, my fresh- favorite. Yeah, yeah. We've been using that forever. Um, you know, it's it's one that we use a locally roasted um, espresso. It's a super super strong um, espresso bean that's roasted right across the street from our manufacturer and. I mean, like the little things, like we buy it from them. We've been buying it from them forever. They employ um, women that are that are staying at a battered women's home, and it's. I mean, I'm not trying to. I would never say that outside of a of a you know like this. We would never publicize that. But mm-hmm. we end up paying. Um, we pay twelve or thirteen dollars a pound for that. But we just don't want to cut corners. Like my barbecue sauce, and we talk about my seasonings a lot. But my barbecue sauce, we use a locally distilled uh, white whiskey in it, and We've tried to cut corners because it's expensive as hell, and you can't. It just doesn't taste the same. So um, it's just one of those things, man, when, when you're trying to achieve – you know, when I when I look you in the face and say, yeah, I do want you to pay $12.99 for a seasoning when you can get Montreal steak for $1.99 at, um, you know, Dollar General, like <laughs> – you know, you know how that 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 one yeah. you know reel that reel that costs four times as much as anything else. They they can look you straight in the eyes, and it just you know you just have to. I always say it's like we're making this big promise, and then we actually deliver, which is really weird. Yeah, versus Some people be like, ah, you know, it's kind of it. It's people not settling for for subpar. Or, yeah, I mean, not yeah. not to call your seasoning subpar, but they're definitely top of the line in my, in my opinion but it it's not there's no sacrifice there and i appreciate that you know as a as a chef working in the restaurant industry you you pay you have different guys like you're a short order cook mm-hmm. working behind the counter yep. and you throw a frozen burger on there you know are you grounding your own burger are you mixing your own you know your own fat with it and seasonings and really like you said not cutting any corners to put out a good product and that shows the level of of you care just from the food from everything and I think the the type of customer you're looking for is one that's like, yeah, you know, I'm willing to pay that extra money. I I don't mind because I want to see what what the best tastes like. Yeah, and and that's that's who I'm going after. I mean, we could make it cheaper. I just don't. I mean, that's I'm not really interested in that. You know, I just find like really great conversation with my customers. I've become, you know, personal friends with a lot of just so many of these um these customers are just genuinely good people that really, really care. So many, I mean, you know, I've said this a hundred times, but one of the coolest things, one of the, like the most fulfilling aspects of the job right now is when I hear, you know, people like Corey, I mean, he texts me pictures all the time of him, you know, preparing foods for his family, especially on, you know, um, something he's actually harvested where he's using my products to feed his family and to like better that, you know, if, if you can say better, it's a, I don't know if I would say better, but it, you know, to kind of, um, a lot of times it's elevate. to make the food elevate. That's a good one. Uh, it's to make the food more interesting for the kids too. You know, um, we have one called Veggie Dust that we just sell a ton to kids, and it's just like, I think, you know, I was like, I have this idea. I'm like, I think I could just market Veggie Dust as like a kids product and just call it that. Like it's this magic dust you put on vegetables and it tastes good. So I started Googling it and I'm like, oh wait, this company right here started eight months ago and they call it Veggie Dust and that's exactly what they do. I'm like, okay, somebody, (laughs) so we stole the name Veggie Dust and started a kids company. So I need to shut up on these podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Give away the secrets. Yeah. 
So they definitely, um, you have some unique names for your seasonings. So what what was your your flagship seasoning, your your very first one, and kind of do you mind walking me through like how that came into fruition? Yeah, we have two, um, two that we kind of launched with. Uh, one's called Carving House, and one's called Assault and Pepper. And you know, it's amazing, Corey. I never put this together. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was down visiting. I believe it was you, because there's no reason I would be down in that area of Pennsylvania um, at Lehigh. And I'm trying to recall exactly where it was at. But it was a diner, and I was eating with maybe by myself. It may have been one of the times I came down where I was working, you know? Okay. And this diner, this like cook walks up, and she's in a really, or um, server walks up, and she's in a really big hurry. She's like, do you need anything else? I'm like, no, I'm good. She's like, ketchup? I'm like, nope. Mustard? Nope. Mayonnaise? No, I'm I'm all set. A salt and pepper? So I went, Did you just say a salt <laughs> and salt pepper? And, pepper. <laughs> and, and and but she likes she like strung the uh 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 salt and pepper, right? But I was like, did she just say a salt and pepper? That is hilarious. So that's where I came up with the name. I'll give her royalties if I ever find yeah. it. <laughs> um <laughs> but it was it's funny because it was in your little in, in uh like Lehigh. Um but uh, so, you know, I just had the name, the concept, um, you know, with with Carving House that we knew we wanted to go after that Montreal steak seasoning because it's something that I just saw so many guys um, using. You know, it's a, it's a standard kind of the salt, pepper, garlic, onion mm-hmm. and then whatever. Um, we want to kind of take our own twist on it. And now we've actually built out like th- Dozens, but we have three on the market that are like, you know, different renditions of that salt, pepper, garlic, I guess, category. But yeah, we just wanted one. You know, I, I was working with a, a local manufacturer and I said, you know, I wanted, here's my concept, here's some ideas I want for a steak seasoning, and here's one I want like to be a little bit spicier. So we rolled with it. And then it's just kind of, you know, my background in real life. Now, I've been doing this full time for a year in April. <clears throat> a full, you know, full time. This is all I do. Prior to that, I worked for a large um, dietary supplement company where all I did was marketing of, you know, direct to consumer goods. So, um, you know, the marketing side has been actually the easiest and most most fun part because that's what I love. That's like a passion of mine is product launches and stuff. So, you know, you'll notice that my business is built around product launches and, and kind yeah. of you know, putting out the next. You know, the next cool, um, you know, kind of, you know, putting a cornerstone here or or building this part of my line here. It's <clears throat> super fulfilling and I think it's the right way to do it because in this time frame and in, in like the lull between product releases, it truly is all hands on deck giving crap about that next release, right? So right now, for example, we're working on an everything bagel seasoning and... Ooh. We've went back and forth. It's it's the number one selling. A lot of people don't know this. It's the number one selling retail seasoning um, in our age group right now. It is Trader Joe's Everything Bagel. So they just had. We're a, gonna do it. I picked up an everything bag. flavored hummus from the grocery store yesterday, and it perfect. I, yeah, yep. I, that just blows my mind. So good. Yeah. So what we're doing, um, you know, I mean, tonight I did, um, you know, just like squash, onions, and a few red peppers. Um, we just kind of like, um, you know, real long strips, almost like a spaghetti style cut. 
and then uh, just kind of pan sauteed them, and then I put that everything seasoning in it. And it's just crazy, but um, you know, it's called. We're, I'm calling it. I think I'm going to call it uh, carbivore. You know, and then um, it's just going to be a. Uh, wait till you see the artwork. I'll text it to you guys later. It's it's crazy. We're we're going out on a limb with this, but we have fun with it, man. It's you know, it's kind of one of the competitive ad- competitive advantages that we have. Um, is my um, you know, psychological issues <laughs> that that lead to these crazy ideas for names and and concepts. But you know, I believe in um, you know, g- giving you know, a lot to each release. We really put our time into it. We really think about the story behind it. Um, we, you know, we build each, each product separately. It's one thing that always got me, you know, when I was doing like, you know, when I was competing against other people releasing products, it's like these companies that kind of appear out of nowhere and they just have a full product line. Like, there you go. Like, do you really believe that the R and D was done equally on each of these? You know what I'm saying? Um, I like when, when new products come out and, you know, you see the consistent R and D, um, the kid, there's a consistent story. There's a storyline that's playing out in the background. That's, that's, again, I think that's my, one of my major competitive advantages, um, is, is, um, how well I set up my promises and the products are awesome. So definitely answer it. You build a, a good positive suspense in your product releases i'll give you that because you know i i think i've been following you for you know about four and a half years i think since since Corey and i linked up and since since you launched and um just watching it like oh we're gonna release this on this date this and then you kind of like give that slow countdown towards it and then it hits and it's like man i gotta get that you have no <laughs> yeah you have no choice but to get on yeah, it. yeah. Yeah, I mean this last one um that we did with our buffalo sauce. I mean it's like you know, it's the original recipe from Buffalo Wild Wings. Um their medium sauce. It's in, it's incredible. They just they couldn't use it anymore because of vo- you know, volume, pure volume. They had <clears throat> I think they had they had reached like 400 and some locations. They just couldn't keep up, so they had to kind of cheapen it out a little bit and they moved away from my manufacturer. So we've been sitting on this recipe for years. Um, 15 years, nobody's done it. So, uh, we brought it to market. It's incredible, but this, it's, uh, it's called Helldiver, uh, Buffalo Wing Sauce. And like that release, um, you know, rattled, rattled cages in the industry because of just the amount that was released into like, you know, the, our kind of ecosystem here. We sold a lot. So, um, it's still moving a lot. And it's all, again, it's all direct to consumer. We're kind of holding off until the right deal makes sense to get into, you know, some type of grocer. Um, I'm not super excited about getting into grocery, which is uncommon for those meetings. <laughs> you know, usually people don't have what I have with, you know, the customer base that I've built over the last couple of years. So, you know, getting into grocery is like what they have to do to succeed, you know, um, because I've built so much around direct to consumer. I don't really, it's not, um, it would be neat. You know, I'd like to see it out there, but um, we have a successful business model without them. So it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's um, good. Cause it's in those situations you have to make promises sometimes that are down in the future. And I've seen a lot of businesses sacrifice, you know, the, the quality that you hold very dear just to be like, I'm going to, you know, I need to go bigger. I need to do more versus yeah. sometimes yeah. that, that balance and what you have is, is, is good. Thank you. Yeah, that's exactly what I've said. I said, you know, right now it's 
a challenge to manage, you know, me and two small teams. <laughs> so, um, you know, one, one of the agreements involved, you know, distribution and stuff like that we would be hand delivering product. And I'm like, whoa, I mean, I, you know, I, I know how to do some things, but, you know, owning, you know, a shipping company is not one, you know, a freight company <laughs> is not one of them. So I don't know, man, it is what it is. We're having fun. And, you know, um, you know, we have a lot of big things for 2020 is going to be crazy. I mean, it already has been. We just, we have a couple, um, we're, we're lined up to, for some just major, major moves in 2020. So super excited for the next couple months. We have a couple, um, where I think we're going to be setting up at the, at, at the, uh, total archery challenge in, in Pennsylvania. Are any of you guys going? Uh, Where's that at this year? Is that at seven uh, Springs? Seven Springs. Yeah. Nice. Uh, I don't think I'll be making it up. Uh, just actually Thursday had a little newborn. Um, I oh, didn't have dude, it, my wife congrats. did. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I know how that works, man. Yeah, okay. travel travel somewhat limited for the next. I may be able to squeeze out to turkey hunt in the next couple weeks, but um, that's still up in the air. But awesome. probably no travel till June. I'm I'm looking at uh heading up to the backcountry hunter and anglers their annual rendezvous mm-hmm. i think i'll probably attend that and uh check that out that's my, probably actually my first uh large hunting or fishing conference that that i've ever been to oh, cool. that'll be fun mind-blowing probably huh yeah i, I assume so i just it, i don't know i hope i want to say i hope i'm not disappointed i, I doubt i am disappointed because i'm seeing a growing trend as more people from our generation sort of step up into those leadership roles. And we, we definitely have done a good job. An amount of us have done a good job of pursuing passions and finding ways to, to earn livings off our passions. And I think Mm -hmm. that just goes to like our parents were always like, Hey, you know, you never have to work a day if you do what you love, you know? Uh, Yeah. It's a really, I like how you said that where they're, you know, our generation's getting into the leadership roles. I never thought of it that way, but that's exactly what's happening. It's, um, yeah, I have a lot of faith in, in, in our generation. It's so far we've, I, I agree, like at least from the outside looking in, um, we've done a really, you know, so far a pretty good job. I, I like, I personally like the state of, um, the outdoor industry right now. Um, you know, I, I find it a little bit less, um, crazy polarizing than some of the other, you know, kind of offshoots of the outdoor industry, you know, like the, you know, pure firearm industry seems to be super, super polarizing. And, um, you know, you're just seeing a lot of people from, you know, any side of the fence getting into, um, hunting, fishing, you know, hiking, all this stuff on this, on this side. I think it's really cool. I think the right people in the right positions have discovered it. And either, you know, have always been involved in it and sort of their popularity grew um, or people who were in positions where a lot of people paid attention to them suddenly grew and became passionate with hunting and fishing. And that Mm -hmm. allowed it to sort of progress. And then the introduction of like, or I guess not the introduction, the, the going back to the concept of, hey, we're hunting and fishing for food is sort Mm -hmm. of, I think, what looped it in because especially a lot in our generations, people are starting to care as we're starting to have kids, as our lives are kind of starting to get on a track, we're starting to look at it and go, what am I putting into my body? Is it good? Is it bad? You know, do I, do I care? One, if I do care, what can I do to make sort of my eating habits better or this? And 
a lot of people going back to the the farm to table movement, you know, that began what ten years or so ago, and and then even looking back, probably five year mark where it was like, hey, you have all these people, you know, Steve Ranella, Joe Rogan, all those guys that are coming up and really saying, hey, look, pay attention to what you're putting on your table, and they're really positive images for an industry that has battled image problems for decades. Yeah, I agree. It's something that, you know, just because I've had a personal interest in like the firearms industry, one thing I, one thing that was always challenging for me is how, um, uh, I, d- d- the, the lack of, um, I guess, acceptance of anybody that isn't you. Um, you know, and I just, it's, it's always, I've always had a challenge with it because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty down the middle on a lot of these, um, you know, societal issues that we have going on. And, you know, I would go to a gun club and go, I'm not like a lot of these people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, I may be cut from a slightly different cloth and what I've found in the, you know, the more of the hunting and the angling, um, you know, like you're saying, I, I, you know, a lot of it is, is like, you know, personally, this is why I do this. Um, you just don't see the polarizing, uh, people that I, you know, in the, in the hunting space that I did in the firearm space. Um, and it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's great. And I, and I agree, man. I mean, seeing our generation embracing, um, game and embracing, you know, the, the conservation aspect of it and embracing, um, you know, playing by the rules, I guess. Right. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's, I think it's really, uh, it's a, we're in a unique time. And I think that it's a really good opportunity for us to, you know, um, as we have kids, keep keep pushing that. I mean, that's one thing. Um, you know, my little kiddos, we're, we live in suburban New York, you know, upstate New York, but it's suburbia. And, you know, I shoot my bow in my backyard. Um, and, you know, we got a, you know, kind of a beginner bow for the kiddos. And I just am trying my best to just, you know, make sure that they understand, even though this is like a very basic, it's not even like one of the nice bear you know it's not it's not even one of the nice uh kids bows it's just kind of a you know just a kind of a crappy little twenty dollar bow and even with that you know people stand behind the fire line we don't play games we don't do anything you know trying to yeah. just yeah it know, starts start... it starts in the beginning man mm-hmm. yep um, i think uh you know growing up as a kid if you didn't know, um, I'm from Southeastern Oklahoma. And so like having firearms in households is very, very popular, very common. Um, I would say, but there's all those individuals that didn't. And it was, there were some individuals that didn't, I should say. And that was sort of a, a discerning point of like, Hey, you know, as we became teenagers and started going out hunting, it's like one of the questions, you know, my parents always taught me to ask, my hunting buddies was like, Hey, what's your firearm experience? Like, are you safe mm-hmm. with a rifle? Like, have you ever shot one? You know, how often do you go hunting and sort of get to know them before it was like, all right, you guys go out and, you know, go in the pasture and go shoot doves or whatever. And that foundation that's laid very early and just being around it and under have giving the kids the comfort level of, you know, it's not, it's a dangerous tool, but if it's handled properly, then there, there's a lot of, I guess, a lot of good to be. I don't know. It's a weird. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can mitigate the risks. Yes. There right? you go. Um, and it's funny because it's like I'm sitting here. It's like I think you know. You take the kids to a playground, 
And if they get a little crazy and they break the rules, it's not that big of a deal. Like we've all, you know, went down backwards, upside down, jumping down a slide or something. And it's not that big of a deal, but it's just knowing, knowing when it's, um, you know, you have these non-negotiables, non-negotiable mm-hmm. rules of, of just, you know, handling these different things. I mean, even like, you know, angling gear, man, you can get screwed up, <laughs> yeah. you know, if you're not paying attention. Um, so it's even, you know, you know, down at our camp when, when, you know, we're trying to take them fishing and stuff. And it's like, you know, I really am, uh, always watching to just make sure, like, I'd rather shut this down and start again tomorrow than let it get, you know, you know, loopy at all. You know, we aren't going to let it get sloppy at all. So, oh yeah, I, um, I had to get on my daughter the other day. She was the way she was flinging her fishing rod around and, mm-hmm. and like, look, like you think about it this way, like you use that lure to hook a fish. If you do <laughs> something wrong, that same hook can go in you or in me. And it was kind of like a, a mind blowing moment. She's like, wait. So yeah. Yeah. We did the same thing with that, with that bow I was talking about. I said to um, my son, I go, that just shot right through that cardboard. Right. He's like, yeah. I'm like, imagine what it would do to your belly. He's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that they're not quite in touch with their mortality. And at six years old, it's time to bring it to them. So, um, no, man, it's, it's something that we try to do. And you no, know, it kind of admittedly, my, my family doesn't, um, my kiddos don't, it's funny. My daughter is like this closet vegan. She doesn't know what that is, but, um, <laughs> she's, she's grilled me, man. Uh, it's funny. I was, I was eating like venison the one night and she's like, daddy, is that, um, that deer? I go, yeah. Well, why did you kill it? And I'm like, ah, you know, I said it's, um, it was an older deer and it was going to die anyway. And I would rather it not just, you know, kind of in simpler terms, I'd rather it not just die out there and, and go to waste. So, you know, daddy found an old one and, and, um, you know, I, I killed it very quickly and, uh, it didn't feel any pain. It didn't even know it was dying. And then, you know, I took it to my nice friend who's a butcher and he got it all put together. And, you know what I mean? Just kind of explaining it all to him. She goes, yeah, so you killed it. And I go, yeah. She goes, I go, yeah, honey, but it was going to die today. It was going to die anyway. And she goes, but not today. <laughs> I'm like, okay. <laughs> so she's fighting for those extra days, you know? <laughs> um, so she's my little closet vegan. She doesn't even, she, she, she won't eat any, she just doesn't dig meat and that's okay. Whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, that's good. It, it yeah, but makes her happy. You know, my little dude has really, what I like to, show him is that just the you, we're trying to explain like the 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 consequences of all meat not just game you know so um it's something that we kind of prize now i'm in a super i have a super i'm so thankful in how i acquire my food right now um you know beings that i have the reach i do um i have a meat sponsor that i get a case of meat for free every month and it's all just top quality. It's, you know, Wagyu and, and, you know, elk and bison and just incredible meat that I, I haven't purchased meat from a, you know, anywhere. <laughs> you know, I have one butcher that I'll occasionally just buy something from him because he's a friend of mine. But I mean, for, you know, uh, two years since I've bought meat, like, you know, commercial meat. So I try to really push that through to the kids that, you know, even, I mean, even beef can be this prized. You know, I mean, if you find a, a rancher that, and, and, and pork, I mean, some of this heritage pork is just some of the best meat I've ever had. Oh, it's so you good. Yeah. Oh my God. And this is real. This is, you know, um, I think it's from Idaho. 
it's incredible. It's incredible meat. Um, so, uh, not to, you know, pitch, but if, if anybody is looking, I mean, this is, I know this is kind of a pitch here, but, um, stay classy meats.com. Uh, they're just incredible people. They work with real ranchers. Um, you know, because you can't, I mean, you know, I mean, we do eat other things besides, you know, squirrels and, <laughs> and, and, uh, trout, but, um, you know, those guys, um, have done incredible things for the local, um, uh, you know, um, the ranchers in the, the, you know, Montana, Idaho, they buy from local ranchers and they're doing it the right way. So it's really, really cool. They, they put everything on ice and ship it right to your door. And, uh, it's just, a, I don't know. I just, I really support people like that. If you don't happen to have, uh, the ability to, um, harvest your own animals, or if you don't have, uh, you know, a local butcher in your town that is really putting out, you know, just quality food, then you, you know, this may be one of your only options. And, uh, that to me is one of the better ones. Yeah. I think you have these, um, like the, what's that term? Food, I said food islands. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it, around the U S where there's, uh, a food deficit, a nutritional mm-hmm. deficit in certain spots. And yep. I, re- I really feel, um, that a lot of these, <clears throat> I mean, granted some of it's economic based, but a lot of these companies such as, you know, like the stay classy meats or, you know, some of the others that do the meals, meal prep stuff yeah. and send it to you. Like they're, they're making efforts, you know, to succeed as a business, but they're also opportunities to fill those voids, whether it's like you live in a town of a hundred people and your grocery stores, your gas station as well. And you're limited to what they bring in unless you're growing it yourself or harvesting it yourself. And I think, it's it's positive in my opinion to see the opportunity of you know direct uh shipping direct to customers quality yeah. stuff yeah it's crazy man i you know we have a we have a camp in the southern tier of new york and driving from here to our camp it's incredible where you know all these small towns <laughs> all they have is a family dollar and you know we have there's a there's one in our camp town so we'll you know we'll go in there and just buy like whatever crap we need for the weekend. But, you know, I remember last, last summer telling my wife, I go, this is a little mini Walmart. People are, people are shopping here. There's a grocery section. I mean, there's, there's like this like weird prepackaged, like Casey masterpiece brisket thing that people like, this has to be like their big Friday night dinner. It's just disgusting. And it's sad and it's scary. You know, growing up, (laughs) you know, I had, I had a, you know, a, a few different, childhoods and um in one of my childhoods we were very 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 poor and um had you know no meat for a long time and um you know when i finally started kind of getting into the lifting you know space it was like i didn't really know how to do this you know i remember when i got into powerlifting and strongman just going into the dollar store and just buying cans of tuna fish and cans of potatoes and not really knowing how this was all, <laughs> how to put this all together, you know? <laughs> sure. So, um, you know, I just see that and it's like, you know, there, I guess there are okay options there, but they're just, they're very few and far between and, and just, um, just riddled with, with junk. It's just, it's really scary and it's not getting any better on that, you know, without people like ranchers supporting local ranchers, it's not going to get any better. I mean, it's great. I, this goes back into that interest of like 
I think a lot of our generation getting back into, hey, you know, whether I have a garden in the back, seasonal garden or whatever, or, you know, I'm going out hunting and fishing, like just finding that curiosity, finding that way to sort of overcome those obstacles. I mean, I, I grew up very much the same, like we didn't have a whole lot of money, but, you know, we always had good meat to eat, whether it was from, you know, from our farm, from our friends, or we, we traded around for it, or it's venison or rabbit or, you know, largemouth bass and catfish. Like that was just kind of, uh, you supplemented what you could with what you, what you could get, I guess. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see things changing and people realizing that, yeah, we, we really do have a problem. So I just, it's something that it's like, I just beg people to care about. I beg, I beg you, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to cost more. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's, it's like it anything. you, you're paying it, for what you're paying for what you get. Yeah. You're, you're paying for their livelihood and, 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 you know, what, what are you good at? Because that's what they're good at. That's one thing that always gets me. It's like, oh, that's that grass fed beefs. 30% more expensive. I'm like, well, let's talk about you. Like, what do you do for a living? Exactly. Should I, like, I value what you do. Like, you're a plastics engineer. I really value what you've done in the medical space. <laughs> and, and I'm happy you get paid what you do because when I need a heart stint, I know that it's going to be, you know, there's a team of people working on it. So now let's talk about this rancher. He gives a crap. You know, that's, I, I just, um, you can eat less. Maybe we don't need the 40 pack of Bubba, Bubba burgers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> go talk to the butcher and get a really nice cut, six ounce you know, whatever. And it's just going to be incredible. I mean, I think that it's weird, you know, when you go to like the Walmarts and that's one thing I, I opposed, you know, the town that Corey and I grew up in, um, it was like, I don't know, early high school. Um, this, you know, it was like Walmart was coming in and I just remember being really opposed to it. And I remember one of my teachers yelling at me and saying, do you realize all the jobs it's going to bring? And I remember with my little, like, I was probably jamming out to Rage Against the Machine or something. I was like, yeah, but do you realize how many jobs it's going to shut down? You know? Oh, no. They'll stay. You know, now that's you, we go home and that's all there is, is that Walmart. And they employ about 600 people at, um, you know, 11 hours a week with no benefits and, uh, you know, two full time jobs or whatever they have there. Yeah, like, I mean, screw, screw them, man. I, I, I mean, I'll, I'd rather I'd burn it down, man. I think it's a joke. I, I hate it hate everything about it. And I really think these small towns need to start to reclaim what, what's theirs. I mean, they put that in Corey, you remember when they were putting that Walmart in and it's like they were making these backdoor deals to be able to plow over all this wetland and get all these like foul out. And do you remember all that happening? No, no, I was yeah. just a, maybe I was a dumb kid. I didn't care. Yeah. I was, I was much more uh, woke than you apparently, but <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> Corey, you're awfully quiet over there. You sleeping? It's late. Just it's like front row seat to the podcast, the live show. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May fifth. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. 
I we had a similar thing happen in my hometown too. Uh, we had a small Walmart, and there was a so there was a Walmart, a Kmart, and three local grocers, and then a farmers market. So not like the farmers market you think of like now today, where it's like everybody's got tents and there's delicious mm-hmm. treats and arts and crafts and all that. It was like the farmers would come into town because we were the the county seat. Uh, the farmers would come into town on Saturday morning and they would have in the back of their truck whatever they had in surplus and you would walk around and it was just a bunch of trucks and you'd be like, all right, I'll take this, I'll take that, you know, and you may trade. Like if you had something, if you were a chicken farmer and, you know, you're, you knew some guy was going to show up with corn or with, uh, with cabbage or lettuce or something, you may be taking in and trading like eggs for for lettuce or you know whatever and i after the larger stores came in and we saw the demise of of both two of the three local grocers uh the kmart and i think most importantly like the farmer's market which had probably been a traditional way of life for you know 100 years and it's i don't know it's troubling to me to see yeah what a novel idea, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. You know, I'm like, oh, look at this novel idea. You mean the way that we've always done it? Yeah. Or these, you know, yeah, I know, man. It's, we have a kind of a cool thing like that, um, you know, up here. And even, even the city of Rochester has a really, really good um, public market where, you know, there's like tons of farmland on either side of Rochester, New York. It's, you know, it's all it is. It's, you know, uh, so that's really cool. Took, took me to when, whenever we came up. Oh, did we go to that a long time ago? Yeah, I think so. It was just like thousands of vendors. Yeah. Yeah, it was like tons of people. Yeah. I forgot we went to that. I think we did. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, it's something. When it was probably when I lived at the old in my old house. We were closer to the city. I think. Yeah, I think. Yeah. So anyway, that's really neat because it's like you get all the farmers. I mean, you got like this guy that just has, you know, I mean, a semi truck full of potatoes. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's yeah, it's Joe's potatoes. You know, it's I just think that's that's cool. We haven't went in a while because I really don't need to buy anything. You know, I kind of have my own little set. I buy eggs from a guy down the road. I buy veggies, um, you know, in season from the local stands out of season. You know, I don't need a ton of veggies. I'll just do like greens, you know, veggie bags. Um, nothing crazy. So it's kind of, we have a little system, you know, and it's, I, it's incredible how, how low our, our, um, grocery bills need to be right now. Again, I'm in a very, very unique situation. I get, you know, 500, $500 case of meat shipped to me every week. So I mean, or every month. So it's, I guess it's a little different, but I guess let's talk, let's talk a little wild game. So Corey said you you do a little bit of hunting. What's the extent of the hunting that Uh, you're doing? Man. You know, I'm I I'm committed to increasing my time in the woods. I mean, that's really my uh, I last couple of years. You know, I, I grew up rifle whitetail. That's about it. Um, you know, occasional small game. Um, went turkey hunting one time. Uh, you know, fishing a lot. Just kind of basic stuff. Uh, grew up in Western Pennsylvania, um, kind of the Appalachian, Allegheny mountain foothills. So 
there was definitely nature and we spent a lot of time out, but we were real big into um, ATVs, ATV racing and stuff. So a lot of the time in the woods was spent going really fast on machines. Um, took some time off for college and, you know, kids and stuff. And, and now I'm, I'm kind of trying to get back into the woods. So um, I, I, I really like it. I really like the way that you put that. You're committed to spending more time in the woods. I appreciate that. Like a lot. I think that's, that's fair to say because you get, everybody gets posed the question like, well, do you hunt and you fish? Yeah. Okay. Well, how much? And I mean, even the expectation, like, all right, you're involved in the hunting industry. You do a lot outdoor, all that. Like how much do you really spend out? And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm committed to increasing the amount of time I spend in the woods. That's like, yeah, that's a great answer. Yeah, I dig it too. <laughs> I'm glad I said that. I'm, I'm glad I said that because that's the truth, right? I mean, like, I've I, I um I bought a bow off of one of Corey and I's mutual friends uh, just because we were both big guys. I just grabbed onto it. Never really shot a bow. Ended up doing pretty good. Did a couple archery shoots and did as good as the people that were shooting. So I'm like, yeah, I'm okay at this, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I had this bow for a couple years. You know, I wouldn't say hunting, but I sat in a tree stand, you know, occasionally. But at the time I was managing a few, the last couple of years I've been managing multiple lives. I, 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 I had this big boy job um, that I was hiding tacticalories from. <laughs> but I needed it to, you know, it was a really kind of a complicated situation, but it just lend it. It didn't lend itself to having a ton of free time. So I did what I could. This year's going to be different. Um, I had the opportunity to, um, <laughs> you know, an incredible opportunity for an Arizona uh, mule deer hunt in uh, September. And I actually, you know, I, I hope I never regret it, which I don't think I will, but I actually um, declined it. Um, it was going to be a really you know, uh, inexpensive option, you know, uh, comparatively. Mm-hmm. And I declined it. I just don't think I'm ready. Um, I've been putting a ton of time behind the bow. Um, been putting a ton of time into the, con- you know, and conditioning myself for it, but I just don't think, um, I was quite ready. And this isn't one of those, well, you're never ready. You know, it's not that. No, I just, I, I, I really want to be, um, a lot more comfortable. I bought a new bow in January. Um, I bought a Hoyt Axis Ultra, um, it's been an incredible change. Uh, realized I was shooting a bow that was about two inches, uh, the draw length was about two inches too short for me. Um, that created a lot of, you know, cause I did multiple, you know, very long, uh, uh, I did a couple of the R100 shoots. So, I mean, you figure how many arrows I drew on that, on that bow with just, it just wasn't built for me. This one's just so natural. It feels, it feels like part of me. And that's, I guess that's the goal, right? So, yeah. Um, I did a really cool event. I'd love to talk about the event I was just part of, um, sure. Down in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, that I just think that it's something that I really want to figure out a way to do more and more of and all of us do more and more of. Um, I'm affiliated with a company called Sorenex Exercise Equipment. Have you ever heard of them? No. Okay. You should. Look them up. S O R I N E X. Sorenex. Okay. Yep. So it's named after. Um, I mean, I guess they created the name. Uh, um, uh, Pops Soren. <laughs> uh, he he started this company uh, 40 years ago. It's an exercise equipment company. Um, now, I know his his son through mutual friends. He and I have become really good friends. They have this 
massive exercise equipment company. They outfit the Patriots. They outfit, you know, Oregon. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy outfits for weight rooms. But Bert is really into the owner. President is really into the outdoors. So um, he put together an event called Winter Strong. And uh, in short, it's 70. This year, there was 70 people that are just kind of outdoor figures. Uh, and mm-hmm. then invited them all in, and uh, um, we just had an incredible time. Um, the reason I want to bring it up is one of the events on Saturday. A lot of it was cooking by um, you know John and Jen Rivet. I don't know if you ever heard of the Rivets. Um, you know Rogan talks about them a lot. They have a, a bear outfit up in uh, Alberta. They do um, you know Rogan's hunted up there with them and stuff. But they they flew down, brought a bunch of game meat, uh, cooked food for us all weekend. Um, on the Traggers, I mean, just incredible, incredible weekend. But one of the events that we had was uh, called Lift, Run, Shoot. And, um, you know, are, are you into fitness at all? Like, you into, you know, just training to hunt? Um, so, yes, I train to hunt. So, I'm also in the, the, the Coast Guard as well. So, I have to maintain a level of physical fitness uh, to do my... Is it hard to ride the buoys? <laughs> Is that hard? Yes. <laughs> um it's like a it's like a rodeo style training. Yeah, then. that's that's the most challenging part of the job, especially when the waves get big. You got to hold on tighter. <laughs> that's a technical term. The waves get big. The waves get big. Yes. <laughs> um, no, so, I uh, I run a lot, a lot of cardio, uh, swim, and um, I just started CrossFit again a couple months ago here at our cool. like local gym. I'm definitely not like a hardcore CrossFit person, but I, I enjoy it. Uh, back when I was living on the West coast, um, a couple of years ago, I did more like trail running and hiking and elevation here. But I mean, in Key West where I live now, it's like, there's, Oh God. Yeah. yeah no, it's like 30 feet is the highest hill here. And yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the reason I bring that up is, you know, obviously it's an exercise equipment company that's, you know, addressing the outdoors and they're building a team around, um, Sorenex Outdoors, and that's what I would suggest you follow. And everybody that's listening, follow on Instagram, Sorenex. I think it's Sorenex underscore Outdoors. Um, building around, you know, fitness for the outdoor space. So they're getting people involved. I mean, John Dudley um, is going to be working uh, with the team. A um, couple of real big names in the outdoor industry are on board. Uh, Cam Haynes uh, is Cam. They um, they just built Cam Haynes's garage gym. Have you seen him posting these videos in his garage with all the yeah. elk mounts and everything? Yeah, so that's all Sorenex equipment. It's just incredible equipment. But anyway, so we had this lift, run, shoot event, and it was just incredible, man. I mean, it's something that, like, this is exactly, if I had to put down on paper, like, exactly what I want to do. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, because it was, but um, it was just, it was incredible. It was uh, a five-person team um, because I was the shooter, uh, the bow shooter, I got to select the team. I had just an incredible team. I had Glenn Eberly from Eberly Stock. Are you familiar with Eberly Stock? Mm, uh, so so they, they, they make um, outdoor, outdoor gear. Um, I had guys from Big Chino Outfitters, which is a, a great uh, hunting outfitter um, down in Arizona. They do you know mule deer and uh, elk and everything. Um, I just had a couple awesome people on this team, and, and we just did this. Um, uh, it was like a two-hour-long event that – was fitness shooting and um you know problem solving 
uh, through the woods. It was just, it was incredible. I'd have to, you know, I don't want to waste too much time, uh, tonight explaining everything, but it was, um, shooting under pressure. Uh, you know, it was like the closest thing to a playing a quarterback as I'm ever going to be because <laughs> I was a shooter and, you know, we're running, you know, you have to run to this next checkpoint. It's a quarter mile away. Um, we have to accumulate, um, 4,000 pounds lifted between the bars that are there. So, you know, we have one guy deadlifting 30 reps or this guy, you know, all these different, you have to accumulate 4,000 pounds of each move. So everyone's kind of taking turns. And as soon as we're done with that, we have to climb three flights of stairs and I have to take a 35 yard shot at a black bear, uh, 3d target. Um, that's, you know, it's like 35 yards, uh, quartering away, uh, in a shadow and I'm four stories up. Um, you know, it's just, it was just like a, it was a blast, man. All these crazy shots. I had never shot over 50 yards with my bow. And I think there ended up being like 15 or 17 shots I had to take. I had never shot over 50 yards and there were only two, uh, stations that were under 50 yards <laughs> the whole day. Oh, wow. So, um, I ended up taking, I think it was an 87 yard caribou shot. Um, now I just have a spot hog five point that, was set up to 50 yards so it was a little challenging but we got through it um 87 yards is a long way uh with a bow for me <laughs> uh crazy thing was part of part of it was if you miss the animal completely somebody can go retrieve your arrow for you mm-hmm. if if you wound the animal um so anything outside that kill zone the whole team had to go retrieve the, or, the arrow and you were timed and there were people, you know, behind you in on the course. So how many um, how many people were you competing against? <clears throat> there were twelve teams. Oh wow. And the other thing I need to tell you is that we weren't allowed to take we were only allowed to take three arrows. Okay. Yeah, that's a key. So, uh second shot was uphill to an elk and I I, I soared it right over the elk's back. Oh no. Ne- weren't able to retrieve that arrow. It it went I think to Mars and so you finished um, two. So that put me down to two immediately. We wasted five minutes looking for that arrow. And then finally someone who was like, you can go, you can move on without retrieving the arrow. And I'm like, guys, let's just go, you know, I don't want to lose it on the second, you know? So it was, it was tough to, when I say, you know, earlier I said it was like me playing quarterback, but it was like, I mean, I've never been in that situation where it was so up to me to go, you know, to, for this whole team. You know, Glenn Eberly, who was on the team, that again, the owner of Eberly Stock, I mean, he was an Olympian. Mm-hmm. And here I am, like, you know, trying to <laughs> – so it was a lot. Um, man, it sounds like so much fun, though. It was a blast, man. So, you know, you do that, you take that shot, and then there's a 10-foot wall you have to scale. And then you run a little bit further, and there's um, five kettlebells in varying weights from 10 to 50. And each person has to swing each one 10 times. And then you run some more. The whole time I'm running with my bow. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you do that. As soon as you're done swinging, swinging it, you have to run another 300 yards and there's a shot. Okay, this one's actually a tree stand shot. You know, it's only like six feet off the ground. You just kind of climb up, sit in it. And that one was easy. That was like a 35-yard white tail. It was perfect. I nailed that one. But, um, you know, it's crazy because, like, I soared that one, so I lose one, so now I'm down to two, and like two two targets later was this downhill, which is really a weird shot. I've never attempted anything. Downhill, quartering away, 
to like the left. It was just like this really weird shot and, um, barely missed the bottom lung and end up, it hit a tree. And it's the first time I've ever seen an arrow do this. It's just burst. It just blew apart. Um, so that was your second arrow. So that was my second one. So now I'm either, you know, disqualified or I have to land every single one. And that's, that was quite a, that was quite a task. So, you know, you run another hundred yards and you got to do 10 pull-ups. You got to run another hundred yards, 200 yards. You drop down into a four, you know, a 360 degree pistol course mm-hmm. where you, they give you a Vilkortsen 22 uh, pistol and you have to hit five steel targets at 25 yards. Boom, is it boom, just, boom, boom, boom. just you as the shooter or? It was a single shooter in the pistol range. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had to, you know, basically do that. I had a mal, I had a malfunction, so I had to, you know, work a malfunction, which I did very, very poorly at. Um, in the middle of it, you know, and again, it's all timed. So, you know, I had to do mine and I had to sit it down and, you know, somebody would reload it and give it to the next shooter. It was all, we basically got docked points. If you missed these, run a little bit more, do a little bit more, shoot a little bit more. You got to a rifle range where there were five different shots. Um, each person got to, you, we basically got to pick amongst us who was going to take one, what shot. Um, you know, the easiest was like a 20 yard, you know, kneeling with a rest to like a, a bore or something. The mm-hmm. hardest being the hardest was a 250 yard coyote, uh, with a 22 LR. So that's quite a ways of it for a 22. Yeah. That's um, reaching out there. And, I, uh, the, the one female on my team, um, uh, she, she, she did great. She was, a, she's a great shooter. And, um, you know, she said, I got this. We're like, good, <laughs> take it. And, and she, she hopped right in and, and, and hit went five for five on that target. But the coolest thing was, you know, I don't want to like tell, you know, it's not story time or anything, but Corey knows I can tell a story. He's like, I love your stories. But uh, the craziest thing was we get to the back of the property. This is like, you know, 45 minutes into it. Now we're all wrecked. And we have to, the coolest part was we, each team had been assigned an animal that we had to find out here now. So after all this physical fitness and we were just crushed, you know, it's a couple miles of running through the sand and all the issues with shooting and everything. We get out there and you had to find, as we were getting ready to leave, they just told us um, single horned, you know, single antler whitetail. And there's all these animals out in these woods, like these 3D targets. We had to find the single antler whitetail. So we found it. It was bedded down. And from there, there's a blood trail. So we have to now trail, you know, we have to track and use the tactics. It's, and it's raining. And, you know, I didn't realize that every leaf in South Carolina is red. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> A majority of them. So yeah, it was. This was the craziest part. Is now we're at the very back of the very back of the property, back of these like farmers' fields, just like plowed fields. And um, what you track to was um, 150 pounds of sandbags that you have to put into a pack. And now we all have to run back to like cross the finish line from the back of the property. Now the whole way back with all this pack on. Um, now I didn't have to carry a pack because I had been carrying my bow the whole time, but my hands, you know, my forearms were so tired from shooting and doing everything else that just carrying my bow was just incredibly challenging and now add a a sprint to it. It was just, it was crazy. So, um, that is just something that like I am now 
it's turned to the whole reason I'm telling you all this is like, I, you know, I'm, I'm actually enjoying that. I mean, that's kind of my life right now. Instead of doing CrossFit to try to look good or be strong or whatever, um, you know, all my training has been based around that style of training. You know, I have a garage gym, so I'll do a little bit of thing, you know, I'll do this, this, and this, and then I'll toss my release on and walk out my back door and shoot five arrows and then come back in and do this, this, and this. And it's just been a blast, man. So Such a um, applicable method of training. I like it. Well, that's the one thing I noticed where I was there is just the difference in shooting and, and dealing with everything when I was fatigued versus you know, when you've just been sitting in a tree stand all day and, um, there's just different, there's levels. It it simulates a good, like good in-depth, like kind of Western hunt or big public lands hunt where you're, you're moving, you know, as far as you can. And then halfway through here, you're like, Hey, we're going to go set camp, you know, 10 miles, 15 miles, whatever. And then halfway through you come across whatever game and you're packing all your gear and everything. And, time to take the shot and then turn around and pack it out yeah exactly and that's something that i hope i can do someday like i said i declined the one this week this year but we'll see where i'm at next year um i think it'd be an amazing opportunity to just learn um yeah it's uh it's exciting so to answer your question you know i i'm really interested in it i love it it's just something that i need to put more time into and I was just thinking, I really want to learn how to turkey hunt. So that's something I'm going to kind of look into. I've never went, I went one time and I didn't know what I was doing. Not, didn't see any turkey. Didn't, I don't even know what I was doing. So that's something that I'd like to consider, um, figuring out. And I wish there was somebody locally that I could kind of sit with, you know, for a time or two to kind of give me the, the ins and outs of, uh, turkey hunting. But, um, I think it'd be a blast. I'm not a big, huge turkey hunter, but it's definitely started to pique my interest. And this is my last year in Florida. Uh, I'll be transferring out to another location after this. So I'm going to take the advantage and this year go after the Osceola turkeys. Mm. So I'm kind of excited. But I'm, I mean, we had turkey in Oklahoma, but I I wasn't huge. It was more of like um, white-tailed deer and got big into squirrel and duck and waterfowl but I, for whatever reason just kind of breezed over turkey i don't think anybody in my family it was a big a big deal to go out and hunt turkey so it never came yeah. up so i kind of lived the same way of where i didn't have uh, someone to like sit down and sort of hey this is how you do it so mm-hmm. yeah from what i've gathered what i would just by seeing it on film and stuff it's definitely a an art you know um so yeah, man. I mean, that's what it is. I'll definitely, I'm excited for, at least for whitetail this year. I mean, it's definitely, it's going to be a whole different game. I'm, I'm already talking to my wife about taking time off and I have a really cool spot. Um, it's about 25 minute drive from me, but it's, you know, it's our land. It's, uh, butted up to us and suburban. The front side's all, you know, land, land capped in by suburbia and behind us is a, is an old, uh, uh, stone quarry. So it's a really, it's a really cool area that, um, I'm lucky enough to be able to, uh, hunt on. So I'm excited to put some time in there and hopefully there's monsters in there. I mean, these, these, some of the biggest deer I've, I've seen in the Northeast are in there. I just need to get them to come out. So it's good. I'm get excited. a good haul, of, get a good haul of venison. Hopefully, 
Hopefully these yeah. things are monsters, so we'll see. What's your uh what's your go to go to venison recipe? Some of some of your seasoning. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about uh battlegrounds, the you know, the coffee seasoning. I seem I seem to go to that a lot. Um, man, I really, I change it up every single day. Everything I do, I, I very rarely like repeat recipes, which is kind of funny. I just kind of, um, go off the cusp, but I mean, the, the, the simple answer would be loins or back straps, but that's too easy. Um, one that I've really enjoyed doing lately is, um, you know, I have a bunch of these, um, just big roasts, you know, a lot of people don't really know what to do with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, I've been, um, you know, doing, you know, Usually I'll do like a dry brine, like a, a dry salt brine, uh, which I guess a dry brine in simply is, dr- you know, dry the meat off and coat it in salt for 12 to 24 hours. Yep. Wa- wash it off thoroughly. That's the one thing that a lot of people don't. I've seen people not wash it off, but you definitely don't want to eat that much salt. Um, and then uh, from there, I'll top it with whatever seasoning and I'll toss it in uh, my pellet grill for um, however long it takes to get to like 140 inside, 135, 140. And they've been turning out just incredible. Um, it's such a simple way to, to prep a, a large chunk of, of meat. And, um, something I've just been pulling out like the beginning of the week and I can, uh, use it as meal prep, you know, eat a couple lunches off of it and it just tastes incredible. Um, any of the seasonings, I mean, it's like, I'm not, this isn't a sales pitch, but, <laughs> You know, any of the seasonings work well with it. I mean, that's the crazy thing is like, you know, something something like lemon pepper. People think, see that as like a fish seasoning, right? And yeah, historically, if you look, yeah, yeah. If you but if you look at lemon pepper for what it is, I mean, my my pe- my lemon pepper is very pepper driven. So it's almost like a imagine a citrus. If I called it citrus zest, fresh black pepper. Okay. Totally different game, right? So you put that on uh, any type of red meat, um, you know, or, or venison, elk, and it tastes incredible. It's you know fresh ground black lampong pepper with um, real lemon oil, real lemon peel uh, ground. So it's just a zesty pepper. It tastes awesome. I see um, that going well with rabbit. I just stick in my mind. I can imagine that. I mean, I haven't had anything that it isn't good on um veggies even just because of the pepper pepper is a really really good pepper a lot of people you know you know it is when people when when the server comes around want some fresh ground pepper it's that doesn't have to be ground at the spot we just we do it you know usually when you buy from me it's been i mean it was ground within like a week or two so it's it's super fresh but um, that's so that's that's probably my favorite uh, right now is just these these big roasts and I'll take and I'll um, you know I'll take uh, when I wrap it at the end to you know let it rest I'll wrap it in aluminum foil and put it in one of my coolers or I'll put it like just in the microwave without it turned on um, to just let it rest for a little bit and it kind of creates like a little bit of au jus a little bit of you know blood coming out mm-hmm. and then I'll uh, I'll just kind of dump that over the top and do really really thin slices. Man, it just tastes so good. It's incredible. Um, Making me hungry. Yeah. Me yeah. <laughs> Look at the clock. Like I could probably squeeze yeah. another meal in. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I've yeah, and, I, and I'll usually top it with a with a coarse salt. So we don't sell any right now. I probably should, but um, something like a Celtic sea salt, like super coarse, just kind of dust it with that. And man, it just 
the, the your palate just you know it's it just kind of blows up. But that's my favorite. How about you? What's your favorite venison recipe? Oh, um, that's that's a hard one. I I I too am like you. Like I don't I I typically don't cook the same thing over and over. Just to a lot i'm cooking for the family but also cooking to create content so uh trying to think outside the box as much as possible while also creating something that people are going to eat but let's see favorite venison Hmm. i've been doing you know this is going to sound not basic but i've just been doing um just lightly seasoned on the grill but i've been playing a lot with different sauces with fruit uh, mm-hmm. so like blackberry, blueberry, um, yeah, just trying to get the flavor combinations of more sauces because I think to me, a quintessential like preparation method for venison, just in a traditional sense is over the fire roasted. Yep. Right. Yep. So on top of that, it's amazing though, how well it works, right? Yes. Isn't it weird? Like it's, it works so well. You try to do that with um, like a cheaper cut of beef or something, and it just doesn't Mm-mm. doesn't work the way that um, that venison does. It's incredible. But I recently put out uh, we put out a recipe a couple weeks ago. It was like a sage blueberry sauce with a mm. with just thinly sliced venison uh, steaks and on toast. So, and we were like, this is the new. This is the new toast of our generation. Forget avocado mm-hmm. toast. We've got venison, sage, blueberry <laughs> toast. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so one one thing that I did a few years ago, and I actually created a product around it, um, was, um, you know, I was sitting on a lot of uh, ven- ground venison. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had like, you know, I'm like 40 pounds of ground venison that's going bad. Like, what am I going <laughs> to start eating it, you know? And... Um, you know, somebody I was I was kind of asking around, and somebody was like, "Do you ever make chili?" And I'm like, eh, "Chili kind of sucks." You know what I mean? Like it's okay, but like I don't know, it's just kind of plain Jane, kind of too tomatoey for me. So that's so that's where I'm getting at, right? So it's like anything I've ever really had is like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of big box chili packet yeah. in some stuff, and it's like it's okay, but it's watery and whatever. So in Rochester. There is this thing called a garbage plate. Have you ever heard of a garbage plate or a trash plate? No, no, I haven't. Okay, so this. Ima- imagine this. So this is like you know every town has like their food, like their claim to fame. They're like one dish that. Oh my god! If you're in Fort Lauderdale, you got to have the blah 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 burger. You know, mm-hmm. Rochester, New York is known for trash plates. So you take a bed of home fries, you put um, mac salad. Uh, and then like a chili, like, you know, like the chili for like a chili dog. Mm-hmm. So like it's mostly, spicy. mostly meat, not much. But like a spicy yeah. meat sauce. Yep. You dump that over that. So macaroni salad, uh, home fries, um, this like spicy meat sauce, cheese, and then we'll toss a couple burgers on top of it and slice it all up. And it sounds ridiculous, but it tastes amazing. I just, so, I'm just trying to wrap my head around. Yeah, this. yeah, it's it's crazy. You have to look it up. Like, look, search garbage plates. There's like, they, but if you come to Rochester, there's like just in my little town of Webster, there's like four places that that's all they do. It's called hot. It's like Webster Hots, Empire Hots, you know, Arundelquit Hots. Everything's called Hots, and that's what they do. Um, so anyway, we had this seasoning. 
um, it, it, so this, the meat sauce seasoning to make like, again, like the chili you'd put on like a hot dog, but you want it, you know, really, really spicy, kind of bitey, herby. Um, so we use, like I'm looking up the recipe right now, it's a chili powder, red peppers, cayenne, allspice, cumin, cinnamon, celery seed, paprika, and salt. So, I mean, obviously we lead with red pepper and cayenne. It's, it mm-hmm. is a spicy, it's called, we call it drop tine chili because it's this like kind of sweet, obviously, like I said, we have like, you know, all spice and c- cinnamon in it, a little paprika. Um, it's a sweet, it's a really unique flavor, but long story short is I ended up making my chili using this kind of, you know, chili as we see it. I used a like hot dog chili mix for it and it tasted incredible so i started using all my venison my ground venison i was mixing it into that um so now i sell a kind of a wild game kit Mm -hmm. and that's in it it's this chili seasoning that just man it tastes so good with with venison it's incredible i actually really want to make it now (laughs) i'm thinking i'm like yes it's uh you've you've had it a hundred times right yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just had the uh, drop time spicy sausage this uh, weekend. I uh, I put like five patties on the pellet pellet grill and had them with uh, bushcraft blend eggs. Oh my god! And then the uh, leftover uh, they're too spicy for anybody else, so I get them all to myself. <laughs> so the, the the leftover sausage I uh, sliced up and. Uh, uh, sauteed some onions and then put on non bread with you know sp- spaghetti sauce and cheese. So I made like a spicy sausage pizza. Oh, that man. was really good. Yeah, that sounds good too. Yeah, so we have these you know seasonings for jerky and sausage, but they're just essentially just super super concentrated like flavor additives. Mm-hmm. We don't have any nitrates in the actually seasonings we send you know we send the curing salt with the kits but in the actual uh seasoning itself there's you know there's salt but no like nitrate salt or anything which but, uh which um, which curing salt do you i mean i don't know if it's a trade secret but. You, no and, it, and it's it's actually the the one that you know everybody uses it's a um i forget exactly leg uh i forget which one we use isn't it like a prog powder the pink, I'm not sure. pink, the, yeah, it's just the pink, Insta, yeah, it's Insta, pink, pink salt. salt, yeah, the yeah, not yeah. the uh, Instacure, but the other one, Prog powder. I think you're right, Corey. Maybe, yeah, I never heard. I mean, that's that's getting out of my uh, knowledge base, right? You know, when you get into the salts and stuff, because we actually we buy it from somebody else because you're not allowed. You know, there's only a few yeah. places in the country that are allowed to make it. So, um, yeah, it looks like we're currently running a six and a quarter percent leg cure. Um, so it's like six and a quarter percent sodium nitrate. There's, def- the There's definitely some people that, uh, get like serious into the sausage and, and charcuterie and, and curing yeah. game that pay yep. super, super close attention to that. And I follow a lot of those, those forums and stuff and, uh, groups on Facebook and some of those guys get in the weeds and I'm like, wow. Okay. Just like everything. Right. I mean, that's, yeah. I know I've, I've been following a couple of groups with archery and I'm like, Guys, if you spend as much time asking for form checks as you would just go shoot and like, <laughs> you know, it's all it's just kind of getting the low hanging fruit. Um, what we what we liked is that that salt was something that um, 
even if they use the entire packet, it's not, you know, dangerous, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and it's something that we could include at a, at a, you know, lower price point and be able to have it right in our kits. But yeah, admittedly, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm definitely not out in the weeds on the, uh, nitrate salt because, you know, I've only, I've only personally used it a handful of times. We sold a bunch of them. Um, but I, that's where I kind of, in situations like that, I will, I will take the back seat to my manufacturer and say, let's make the best decision here. And I don't really even need to have any input on it. If you say that that's, what's been working, that's what we're going to sell. Yeah. And that's, I think that's a fair approach for sure. I just, um, you know, prior to our conversation stuff, I'm looking over all your products. So I see like 25 to 30 different, uh, seasonings, seven sauces, two dips. And, uh, you have a ton of recipes on there too. We need to get better at the recipe end of things. And that's, so the beginning of this, we started to talk, I told you we had kind of our big idea, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and what we're doing is hopefully if everything's done in time, we're going to be debuting it, um, at that May, um, total archery challenge in Pennsylvania. But I'm working with a couple really kind of influential people in the outdoor space to, um, bring the outdoor seasoning game to 2020. Um, you know, we've had a couple major faces in the outdoor recipe space, um, release some seasoning lines lately that were super subpar. I was really surprised, um, on how they went about that. Um, ours are going to be different cause it's, I mean, everything's fresh ground. Everything's done in small batches. The, 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 you know, look, taste, feel of ours are going to be totally different. So, I think I have a really unique opportunity with what I've built around flavor. Um, you know, couple that with the, uh, contacts I have, you know, through you guys and through, uh, the guys that go wild and the guys at, um, you know, Sorenex. Uh, I think I have a really unique opportunity and I've surrounded myself with, with these like-minded individuals in the outdoor, outdoor space to really rewrite the game. Cause you go into Bass Pro, Cabela's or even, you know, one of the smaller outdoor spaces and that seasoning, you know, everything else is 20 is, is in year 2020, but that seasoning aisle is dude. This stuff looks like it smells like mothballs. It's like walking like in the grocery store. It's junk. Yeah. It's amazing. Nobody's Man. done it. So, so we're going to do it. Um, we okay. have, um, some really cool, uh, ideas. Um, we have, a. A game marinade uh, already done and ready to bottle. Whenever we're ready to rock on that, um, we have a you know a game sauce that's kind of like a steak sauce type that's actually really really good. Uh, you know, we kind of want to do like the big a big game, a small game. You know, I want to uh, Corey, I'm definitely going to work with you on the fish seasoning. I want to call it Trout Camp. I think that's just dope. I think it's. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so we're just going to kind of go after that and, uh, roll the dice, but I think it's, I'm in a unique situation where it's kind of all the, all the, everything's pointing in that direction. Um, not that you can't use any of this on anything, but, um, we're going to try to position it for retail and try to take over that, that in that end of the game. That's good. I, I think you'll definitely be feeling a void that's, that's there. There's some out there doing it and trying to do it, but I don't know. I think it definitely needs to be brought to the forefront just for the fact that hey if we continue to to introduce new hunters and new anglers into this this community and say hey we want you to 
you know, not just go out and hunt and fish, but we want you to cook and prepare and enjoy and, and connect with your food. How are you going to do that if you can't yep. learn to cook yep. it and season it properly? And I think that's a foundational, I'll say it again, a foundational move um, to be made. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that, you know, kind of working, working my way, you know, everything's based around content right now. And I think this would be a really unique opportunity for me to do something like, you know, admittedly, I've, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a pro hunter. You know, I, I really want to learn more. I'm, I'm really enjoying everything, but this would give me an opportunity to say, you know, we've, we've created this seasoning around big game or, you know, this goes amazing with venison. Um, I'm going to take a weekend and go to uh, meet up with somebody who does the hunting end of things better than I do. And I want to learn some stuff, but I also want to share this content. So bring my video guy along and, um, it would be really interesting to see me, you know, maybe like a, some type of series on, um, you know, uh, cook, clean, kill or uh, kill, kill, clean, cook type of thing. Um, I don't know. I just think it'd be really interesting to, to, to go in that direction. So, um, I think it's just, it's, uh, we're, we're moving in that direction as a, as a company anyway. We're just, we've seen so many people, um, asking how to use this on wild game that this is just, it just lends itself. It's like automatic. We've already been working on it. So super pumped. That's awesome. I'm, I'm excited for you. I'm excited to just kind of watch this whole thing unfold, uh, you know, watching the past couple of years, but now just continuing to see, see the seed that you plant grow and, and, uh, it's an exciting thing always. <clears throat> Thanks, man. Thank you. Well, you guys will be involved, man. I've really appreciated, uh, the conversation. I've enjoyed it. So I'd love to work with you guys closer and see, you know, if I can fill a void and it, it pains me that you're looking around in a grocery store for seasonings. Cause I'm not sure what you were looking for. <laughs> not sure what you think you're going to find, but you ain't going to find it. <laughs> I know. I hate to admit that too, especially being like a, a trained chef. You'd think that I would know better, but um, yeah. Eh, what are you going to do? Yeah. But we have some of a, uh, I'd like for us to touch a, share a little bit uh, of our recipes. Mainly it's going to be Corey. Cause I think he's, uh, more proficient than I am with uh, with a lot of your seasoning, so um, we've got a couple things. Corey, you want to talk some recipes? I never really ate goose growing up, and then Casey and I have a mutual friend, Casey Biddle, who does a lot of goose hunting. So I got I got uh, a grocery bag full of of uh, breasts one one time or you know a couple years ago. And so I was a little, a little hesitant on, uh, on making them. But, uh, what I did was I brined the, uh, breasts with, you know, salt and some various, uh, spices, uh, including the salt and pepper. And then, uh, like what Casey said, you gotta rinse it off good after you brine it. But then I covered it in olive oil. Uh, and then, uh, salt and pe- uh, salt and pepper. And, uh, threw that on my smoker for a couple hours and, uh, try to get like a, a medium rare, medium internal temperature. And how do you monitor your temperature? I have probes cause I, I'm not good at, at looking at it and knowing if it's done. So I use, I use meat thermometers. Corey, you're talking about 
checking temperatures and and monitoring um, internal temps. I think the the probes on the Traegers do a really good job of it um, because you're able to sort of use it not cordless, I would say, but without opening and grill, because it's that's a bad thing every time. It's like opening the oven, opening the smoker. You're dropping the heat inside, and it it cause can cause uneven cooking. So being able to check that remotely and not sort of disturbing the meat. I mean, I can go but do a brisket or a roast or something, and and just go the entire time without opening the grill, which is great. And I think that's a key feature. Uh, on the Traeger. Another thing, one of my favorites is all uh, the variety of pellets that you can get into, all the different flavors and just uh, the availability of those those different pellets uh, in your local stores. I agree. Yeah, one thing that I that I have, people have asked me, like, what's the one tip you can give me to cook better? And I think that monitoring that temperature more closely is is absolutely critical. I think it's we we overlook it. I mean, even if you don't have the um, something like a trigger that, you know, you cook on every day and they, they, you know, you don't have these temp probes. I mean, even picking up for, for it's better than nothing, Amazon, uh, inexpensive temperature probe, even if you're doing stuff on a stovetop or in a, in a, you know, an oven or something, being able to monitor the internal temperature has just been like the number one most critical, um, advancement I've, I've, uh, made. Yeah. Right, and the the battery powered ones too are just they're out of this world. I have one, I have three different styles of temperature probes. I have one on the trigger. I have a battery powered one that like will check to the decimal, and then I have the one I've had since my first restaurant job, which is like the little you know ink pen size temperature probe that's like kind of accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's it's revolutionary, and and I think it's good. But please, Corey, continue on, sir. So that, uh, yeah, that goose breast, I like to make, I call it a salt sauce because I use a salt and pepper seasoning for it, but melted butter, mayonnaise, ketchup, some of the salt and pepper seasoning, a little bit of that on the smoked goose. It's, it's pretty good. And then, uh, uh, I made an assault and pepper wild turkey schnitzel, and Casey and I actually did this at his house. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was, was good. And yeah, I think you were testing testing uh, stuff for the battleground blend. What was it battlegrounds? Yeah, I remember we were yeah. testing something. It was, it was like uh, coffee. Coffee. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, but uh, yeah, schnitzel's easy. Pound it thin. A little bit of olive oil, a little bit of seasoning, in this case, salt and pepper, and then breadcrumbs. I like to use Ritz crackers or like townhouse crackers. I think it adds mm-hmm. adds a little bit to it. Just put that in some hot oil for those nice golden brown. That was turkey nuggets. Oh, man. I love a good schnitzel. Did you guys, uh, I, think- I guess this is the perfect time to talk about it since we're talking about schnitzel. So, um, my recent contribution to the the meat eater uh, organization, I guess, was a rabbit schnitzel recipe. So I got uh, brought I on as a that. yeah, I got brought on a, as a contributing wild food writer for uh, for meat eaters. So my first article aired, uh, I guess, aired published this week. So if you do get a chance, go check that out too. I will. 
Very cool. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to yeah, this venison, venison heart stew. I think that one's uh, that one's speaking speaking to me, Corey. Oh yeah, that that one was. I, I save all the hearts from the deer that I get, but I am the only one in the family that eats heart, and uh, so I wanted to try something different. So I, I slow cooked them into the stew. So, you know, the heart has that very specific texture and sometimes it gets me if I don't cook it just right. So I wanted same, to same do here. something. Yeah. Wanted to do something a little different <clears throat> to change that texture up. So I, you know, cooked it low and slow for a while with all the, you know, different ingredients and Salt and pepper is one of my favorite. Uh, I think all three of these are all salt and pepper. Uh, so, yeah. It's just, you know, it's one of those hearty stews and big, big hunk of bread to go with it. And, yeah, I could, um, I think I threw some into vac seal bags and froze it for later. So. One way to use the heart without, you know, just frying it up in oil. I think going back to sort of some of your uh, your signature sp- spice blends too. I, I use the carving house on a uh, on a smoked pork butt that I did uh, on the Traeger. I smoked it for I think about eight hours, and man, it yeah, oh, it was so good. It just like fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, but really. Uh, man, we've had a great conversation. I have to say, like, um, we, we chat about a lot of different things, but, uh, I've really enjoyed talking with you today, Casey. Yeah. Likewise, man. I'd love to come back and, you know, if we can pick a, a topic and, um, I mean, I, you know, I'm down, man. I, I enjoyed it. I love talking about this stuff with, uh, well, I'm not just with like-minded people. That's false. I like talking to everybody about it. Yeah. <laughs> Even if they're not like-minded, <laughs> I enjoy it. So, That's good, man. Uh, you, uh, Corey, do you have any, uh, misfires, alibis or anything? No, I didn't, I didn't say a whole lot, so I didn't screw anything up. <laughs> no, you're, you're good, man. So it was a great conversation, everything we had tonight, uh, Please be sure to go ahead, uh, head over to social media and check us out. Harvest in Nature, uh, Tacked Calories too. Uh, you want to, Casey? You want to give them all the ways they can they can follow you and and reach you? Sure, man. Uh, tactical Calories, but the C A L is shared. So, <laughs> Tacked Calories. Um, you know, I'm sure Harvest in Nature is gonna, you know, make a little post. Uh, it's easiest to click through there. Instagram's my favorite spot. Um, Facebook is fun too. YouTube, uh, we've been trying to get into uh, more and more there. We've done some really cool videos. I have um, access to a really cool test kitchen that I need to use more. Uh, we've just been crazy busy. So, um, yeah, man, Instagram is is the, the best. Follow us there. And if you guys want to try anything, I'll, I'm going to make a, uh, a coupon code, uh, Harvesting Nature. Um, not sure what it's going to save you, but it will save you money in some some way. So. <laughs> Harvesting nature. <laughs> Perfect. We'll, we'll share uh, that I really out. appreciate it, guys. Yeah, yeah, man. Thank you. That's awesome. So for everyone else, too, if you want to go over to uh, Harvesting Nature, and you'll 
get access to all the the great delicious recipes that we have there, podcast videos, uh, links to tax calories, as well as that coupon code once it comes out. And uh, also to whatever podcast platform you're listening to, check us out there, subscribe, and leave us a nice review. Let us know what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, and questions you may have. You can always email us at whatscooking at harvestinnature.com. Anyway, thank you. Have a good night. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors. Every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.